Grab your Bibles if you would. Turn to Luke chapter 1 and Matthew chapter 1. I want to uh, just take a few moments this morning, and by a few, I mean a few. We're not going to be here long, but I just want to encourage you in the Word of God, and uh, I pray that you're encouraged um, this morning. If you do have a bulletin or maybe study sheets, I'd encourage you to maybe grab one of those. I do have some things for us just to be mindful of um, this morning. As, so as the kids were singing... Um, by the way, Luke's little tears, I've seen that face on his dad a couple times, just, just a couple times, but man, give them another round of applause. They did a great job. This week, laboring and praying over today's message, and yesterday I was going back over things, and I told my wife, I said, I think God changed my message, and she goes, oh. That's nice. And so God changed our message um, yesterday. And so I'll just pack those things up for next year, the things that I've studied already for for next year. But um, I was just mindful as the kids were singing of our sermon title today is big things come in humble packages. Big things come in humble packages. And um, I I was just thinking about the amount of tears I've shed following Christ. amount of prayers I've made and the hours I've spent studying the Word of God and the, the changes God has done in my life. I was just in that two minutes and 50 seconds, however long that was, I was just thinking about all those things. And this birth of a Savior has changed this world. Amen? Changed the world. Changed how we do our calendar. Changed how we do time. It changed everything. And when you read the story, it's so quiet. It's so simple, and there's hardly anybody on the globe even knows. Think about that. Very few people even know when Jesus Christ is born. Very few. It begins to get noised abroad about a year, year and a half later with the wise men showing up. But man, it's just so simple and so quiet in that moment that we read about in Luke chapter 2, that that story and the moments leading up to it have changed my life. And this changed yours if you're a believer in Christ. Because I love how Mason put it out. Jesus didn't just come in a sinless body. He He wasn't just born. He lived a perfect sinless life and laid down his life on a cross and picked it up again so that we can have newness of life. And I'm so grateful for that. So the sermon title today is Big Things Come in humble packages. And I just wanted to get you to think about a couple things really quick. And the first one is this, is that God accomplishes his word. God accomplishes his word. Isaiah chapter nine, verse six, this is 700 years prior to Jesus being born, 700 years prior to his birth. It says, for unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. That's the very first coming of Jesus Christ. Unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. That's 700 years prior to Jesus. And then you notice there's a colon there after the word given. And the rest of the verse still hasn't happened yet. It hasn't happened yet. And the government shall be upon his shoulder. That day is coming, it is second coming. Amen? 
His first coming has already happened. His second coming is coming. The government shall be upon his shoulder and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. That's his name. And God always accomplishes his word. It's already happened. And he's coming again the second time. You can bank on it. You can bank on it. It's happening. So that's the first thing I want you to be mindful of. The second thing I want you to be mindful of is this, is that God accomplishes his word through the circumstances of life. He accomplishes his word through the circumstances of life. Now, in Luke chapter 1, if you'll go there really quickly, quickly with me, in Luke chapter 1, it says in verse 26, it says, in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God into a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin, a spouse to a man whose name was Joseph. To a virgin, a spouse to a man whose name was Joseph. So in other words, they've been engaged. The marriage hasn't taken place yet. And it's on the way to that. It's happening. Jewish weddings take a lot of time. There's a lot of preparation that goes to it. We don't have time to get into all of that, but I just want you to key in on this. There's a, there's a woman getting ready to be married to a man named Joseph, and not just any man. It's a man who's of the house of David, and the virgin's name was Mary, verse 28. And the angel came in unto her and said, Hail thou that art highly favored, the Lord is with thee, blessed art thou among women. And when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying, and cast her into mind what manner of salutation this might be. And then the angel says that she's found favor with God in verse 30. And then verse 31, check this out, verse 31. And behold, thou shalt conceive in thy womb and bring forth a son and shalt call his name Jesus. Now, the point that I want you to just get in your mind is, okay, God accomplishes his word, but he accomplishes his word through the circumstances of life. And we see that here, that he used a marriage to get Jesus to the right who, right? He gets Jesus to the, to the right who, to the right family, because Genesis chapter three and verse 15, written 4,000 years prior to this, it says, and I will put enmity between thee and the woman, between thy seed and her seed. And I know we've made a lot of strong statements about that, and, and I understand their audience today. And so understand it says her seed, but then it says this in Isaiah chapter seven and verse 14. Therefore, the Lord himself shall give you a sign, behold, a virgin shall conceive. A virgin shall conceive and bear a son. Now that's 700 years prior to this. And it says here in verse 31, Luke chapter one, verse 31, and behold, thou shalt conceive in thy womb. Exactly like Isaiah chapter seven, verse 14 said. A virgin shall conceive. And the angel says, thou shalt conceive. Genesis chapter three, verse 15. It's a, it's a woman and her seed. And so God uses a marriage, a young bride-to-be getting ready to be married. Can you imagine what's going through her mind? To a man named Joseph, who we know is a carpenter, and he's trying to get his house in order and get everything set. He's a spouse of this woman. They've yet to come together. And then you find out, oh no, she's pregnant. And then they gotta go through the whole process of what do I do? How do I handle all that? I wanna come to that here in just a few moments. But we know that God tells Joseph, go ahead and marry her. And he knows her not until they get married. But now go over to chapter two. Luke chapter two, because God is using the circumstances of life. So he has a perfect marriage set up. He has a woman who's a virgin, not just any woman. She's a marrying a man who's of the lineage of David. Why is that significant? Because he is the lion of the tribe of 
Judah, and David comes through that lineage, and there must be a kingly line, and Jesus comes through the kingly line of Joseph, comes from the priestly line of Mary, and we find here in Luke chapter 2 that he's continually using the circumstances of life, because in chapter 1, we just read that she is in Nazareth, a very small town on the northern, in the northern part of the kingdom. But Micah tells us, we're not going to go there yet, Micah tells us that Jesus is going to be born in Bethlehem. Now, how is God going to get Joseph and Mary, a pregnant woman, about, about to pop all the way down to Bethlehem? Well, here's how. Verse 1. Then it came, chapter 2, verse 1. And it came to pass in those days that there went out a decree from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be taxed. Great. God uses taxes to get not just from the right who, but to the right where. Look what it says in verse two. And this taxing was first made when Cyrenus was governor of Syria, and all went to be taxed, everyone into his own city. And Joseph also went up from Galilee out of the city of Nazareth into Judea, into the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was the house and lineage of David to be taxed with Mary, his espoused wife, being great with child. And so, he makes his way, takes his pregnant wife, and they go all the way down from Nazareth, work their way down just outside of Jerusalem to a little town called Bethlehem because that is where his lineage is from. And so everybody is traveling. They're all going from place to place to place to get to where they're from so they can be counted, so they can be censored, and so they can be taxed. Sure enough, it's time to deliver, verse 6. And so it was that while they were there, the days were accomplished that she should be delivered. And she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. Why was there no room for them in the inn? Because somebody got there first. That's why. There's no room for them in the inn. And so it lays them in a manger that tells you they're hanging out in the stables or hanging out where the lambs are. They're hanging out where all the animals are. They're doing their thing. And here comes a child and God uses a marriage to get him to the right family and God uses taxes to get him to the right location. Now, Micah chapter five and verse two. It's up on the screen. Micah chapter five, verse two, it says, but thou Bethlehem Ephratah, though thou be little among the thousands of Judah, yet out of thee shall come, shall he come forth unto me. That is to be ruler in Israel. So it's prophesied almost 700 years prior that he's coming. Jesus is coming. The Messiah is coming. The Christ is coming. But where's he coming? He's coming out of a little town called Bethlehem. God always accomplishes his word and he always uses the circumstances of life to accomplish it. Now, I want us to just build on those two premises because I want to just break this, make it super, super practical this morning quickly. Here's your, here's your next point. Is God will accomplish his word through the, through the circumstances of your life. But it's great to look at Mary, and it's great, great to look at Joseph and say, yeah, look what God did in them. But good, could God ever use me? Would God ever use me? And maybe you've just said, I just want to do great things for God. I want to do something for God too. Why won't God use me? Well, I would just say, God wants to use you. He wants to use your circumstances of life to accomplish his word. Don't think just because you're not a missionary somewhere or you're not pastoring a church somewhere and all you're doing is working with little kids somewhere. Don't, don't make those things small things. Those are big things. Why? Because big things come from humble packages. Big things come from humble packages. 
do not despise the things that God is doing in your life now. He said, yeah, I just want to do something bigger. Let me just tell you, those things come as you live your life and follow the Lord. They come. God just begins to single you out and do those things. And so I just want to make some four applications and we'll be out. The very first thing I want you to see is that we should be available like Mary. Be available like Mary. Go back to Luke chapter one, because we didn't read this. Luke chapter one, we didn't read this. It says, in verse 31, he says, hey, you're gonna, you're gonna conceive and you're gonna bring forth a son and you're gonna call his name Jesus. It says he's gonna be great and he's gonna be called the son of the highest. Verse 33, he's gonna reign over the house of Jacob. Now, verse 34 is a legitimate question that Mary asks, verse 34. Then said Mary unto the angel, how shall this be seeing I know not a man? Can you explain how I'm gonna have a son? I'm gonna call him Jesus and I've only been engaged. Their marriage hasn't happened yet. Can you explain how that's gonna happen? And he's like, yeah, yeah, sure, verse 35. And the angel answered and said unto her, the Holy Ghost shall come upon thee and the power of the highest shall overshadow thee. Therefore also that holy thing which shall be born of thee shall be called the Son of God. And then he says, hey, your cousin Elizabeth is pregnant. She's been pregnant for six months. With God, nothing shall be impossible, verse 37. And notice what Mary says in verse 38. Behold, the handmaid of the Lord, bid unto me according to thy word. And the angel departed from her. What did Mary say? God, you can't do that. She didn't say that. She said, here I am. I'm available to be used. She's consumed with planning her life. She's getting ready to get married. She's, God steps in and says, hey, I got some change of plans for you. And she believes God and she's willing for God to use her. And so she trades in God's plans for hers. She says, I'm willing to put mine off to the side. I said the backwards. She trades in her plans for God's, right? So she takes her plans and says, okay, I'm gonna set this off to the side and allow God to use me. And maybe you're saying, man, I, I, I want a big thing out of this humble package, then I would just say this, be available. And when God speaks to you through his word, say, here I am. I'm trading in all my plans. I'm putting it off to the side and said, God, use me. Be available. The second thing I would say is be like Joseph. Go to Matthew chapter one. Be obedient like Joseph. So I go to Luke chapter one first because the angel comes to her first. She's pregnant and she runs off and she goes and sees Elizabeth and three months later, right? You can hide a pregnancy for a while, but you get about three months and there's a little bump, right? There's a little something. There's a little bit of a glow. I mean, every pregnant woman, they just glow, don't they? They just do. And I think it's a beautiful thing. Mary had to be like hiding everything, glowing, finds out she's pregnant and Joseph is like, oh no what am I going to do, right? Can you imagine your fiance shows up, been on a vacation, let's call it that, been on vacation, comes back pregnant. You don't understand, Joseph. God's baby's inside of me. Woo! Somebody's crazy. And the Bible says that Joseph is not just any man, he's a just man. He's he, he makes right judgment. He's a biblical man. He wants to make right decisions. Verse 18, now the birth of Jesus Christ was on this wise. 
when as his mother Mary was the spouse of Joseph, before, before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Ghost. Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man and not wanting to make her a public example, was minded to put her away privately. But while he thought on these things, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a dream, saying, Joseph, thou son of David, fear not to take unto thee Mary thy wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Ghost. She wasn't lying, man. She's telling you the truth. Wow, can you imagine? So here's, here's the news, and it says not only that, she's going to have a son, and not only that, you're going to name him Jesus, tells him the same thing that he tells her. He says, for he shall save his people from their sins. And then verse 24, and then Joseph, being raised from the sleep, did as the angel Lord had bidden him and took unto him his wife. He marries her. They're not just no longer engaged. He wakes up and says, we're going to have a wedding. There's a wedding that takes place prior to this. And they get married. Knows her not until after, after the firstborn son. So he's getting his house in order for his soon-to-be bride. She ends up pregnant. He weighs his biblical options. He doesn't do anything until he hears from the Lord and his word. Here's my circumstance, Lord. I got a crazy woman who claims to be pregnant by you. I love her. I don't want to see her stoned to death, which would have been an option. He could have drug her out, had the whole community stoned her to death, but he doesn't do it. He wants to put her away privately. God says, no, um, she's, she's not lying. That is a child of the Holy Ghost. And so he doesn't question, he obeys. And so, maybe, hey, I want to do great things for God. Well, you've made yourself available. But when God speaks, are you willing to be obedient? You got to be obedient or great things don't happen in humble packages. It doesn't happen. So he rejects, his, he rejects his fleshly desires and so that God's plan can be accomplished. It would have been a horrible thing for him to consummate the marriage, right? It would have been a bad thing. So he waits, trusts the Lord, puts his fleshly desires on hold and says, I'm going go, to go serve the Lord. All right, so I'm going to go back to Luke chapter 2. Go back to Luke chapter 2. So don't just be available like Mary. Don't just be obedient like Joseph. I would say this. Be excited like the shepherds. Be excited like the shepherds. That's your next blank. Be excited like the shepherds. Because the baby's born, lying in a manger. Verse 8, and there were in the same country shepherds abiding in the field, keeping their watch over the flock by night. What are they doing? Their circumstances of life is they've got the night shift. They're watching over their, over their flock by night, clueless as to what's going on. All they know, there's a lot of hubbub. There's people traveling everywhere, coming and going, doing their thing. Um, there's a lot of new faces in town, maybe some old faces they haven't seen, and they're watching their flock by night. No idea that the Savior has been born. Verse 9. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were sore afraid. And the angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to, what's the next two words? All people, but they're the first ones to get the message. Humble beginnings. Started small with a bunch of shepherds. It shall be to all people. Look around, guys. We've got the message, didn't we? We got the message. 
Verse 11, for unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. Notice, it's a Savior. It's Christ the Lord. You're going to find him lying, wrapped in swathing clothes, lying in a manger, and all of a sudden the choir breaks out, and suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest on earth, peace, goodwill toward men. And check this out. As soon as the angels go away, they look at each other and says, we got to go check this thing out. So they leave the flocks and they run to Bethlehem. Middle of verse 15, let us now go into Bethlehem and see this thing which has come to pass, which the Lord hath made known unto us. And they came with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. And look at this. And when they had seen it, they made known abroad the saying which was told them concerning the child. Be excited like the shepherds. Here's the temptation some of us get. Too often we choose jealousy or we choose apathy when God's moving in somebody else's life. We see God moving in somebody else's life and we get jealous or we get apathetic. Oh, why won't God use me like that? Or whatever, God's moving. Those things. The shepherds had the exact opposite of response to that. They were excited. They were excited that they had a front row seat to what God was doing. And maybe, just maybe, You've been wanting God to use you mightily. You've been expecting, God, would you just use me? And he's trying to show you how he's already moving. He's already doing things in other people's lives, and you're not excited about it. It wasn't until they got excited about it that they joined alongside of what God was already doing that God used them. Because it says in verse 17 that they went and made known what God was doing. They were excited to tell the surrounding area what God was doing doing? Did they have a role in it? Did they have a part in it? Not whatsoever, other than to proclaim, let me tell you what God is doing in the lives of people. And God uses that to spark a fire that goes throughout the whole realm. All right, now go to Matthew chapter 2. And this is where we'll land the plane. We'll be done. Matthew chapter 2. Fast forward now, they've moved out of the stable. They've found a house to dwell in. They haven't gone back to Nazareth. They're still living in Bethlehem. We're about a year to two years. We don't know how far, but about a year to two years down the road. And you get to Matthew chapter two and you get the wise men. And so here's your last point. Be prepared like the wise men. Be prepared like the wise men. Verse one. Now, when Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, there came wise men from the east to Jerusalem, saying, where is he that is born king of the Jews? Well, I thought he was a savior. He is a savior, but they're expecting a king. Where's he that is born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east and are come to worship him. This isn't just a king. This is a God king. And they want to come and they worship. And so they talk to Herod, they do their thing, and Herod's trying to figure out what's happening. And they say, hey, yeah, the, this, this governor, this, this king is going to be born in Bethlehem. But skip way over to verse 9. It says, when they heard the king, they departed, and lo, the star which they saw in the east went before them till it came and stood over where the young child was. And when they saw the star, they rejoiced 
with exceeding great joy. And when they were coming to the house, they saw the young child with Mary, his mother, and fell down and worshipped him. And when they had opened their treasures, they presented unto him gifts, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. That'd be like somebody on the other coast finding their way all the way over to here, walking, by the way, no car, no train, no bus, no ship, walking all the way to Iola, Kansas to find where Matt and Jess Kerr live, to find Mac, to bow down before a little boy and worship him and bring gifts. That's what's happening. That, that, I mean, would that freak you out as a parent? I think that would freak you out. Then they return, they return back. The point I want you to get is they knew the times and the seasons these wise men did. They knew it had to be getting close for the Messiah to come because maybe they've known Daniel, Daniel chapter 9, because Daniel chapter 9 would tell them the exact day that Jesus Christ was going to walk into the temple and present himself as the lamb and present him as the king. Daniel 9 lays that out very clear. If you know your Bible, they would have been like, wait a second, for that to happen, this has to happen, this has to happen. So there must be a birth of a Savior. There must be a birth of the, of the coming Messiah. And so they've been waiting and waiting, knowing the times and the seasons. And the moment they see the star in the sky, it causes them to move. Why? Because they were prepared. They were prepared. And they see that God is moving a long way away, and it causes them to leave where they are to go where God is moving. What was the motivator? So they, can, so they can be a part of it? No. Worship. Worship. What motivated them to leave Babylon area, to go across the desert all the way to the promised land, to go into Jerusalem and into Bethlehem, is to worship. Some of us, we, we want to be desperately used by God like this story. And all it means is you've got to be available. You've got to be obedient. You have to. You must be excited about what God is doing. And you've got to be prepared to go when it's time. And I'm just telling you, sometimes God's ready to use you, but you're not ready to be used because you're not prepared. Be available. Be obedient. Be excited. And be prepared just like everyone else. Let's stand together and we're going to ask the praise team to make their way on up. We're going to close in one last song. Merry Christmas, everybody. Merry Christmas. Let's celebrate the resurrected baby, the resurrected king, Jesus Christ.